Storygram Network. The content and products discussed in this program have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, nor are they intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Any decisions made around your health should be discussed with your health practitioner. Welcome to Body Talk Radio. I'm your host, Heather Morgan, Health and Human Potential Master Coach and Edutainment Curator. I started Body Talk over a decade ago in order to achieve my mission of educating and inspiring millions to a healthier way of living. Body Talk Radio is more than just a radio show. It's your gateway to information and education relevant to today's most important health topics. Delivered by top thought leaders, influencers, and world changers in the health and human potential space. If you love great health talk, listen in and join the community. Get educated, get inspired, and become a healthier you. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Body Talk. I'm Heather Morgan, and thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, 1 o'clock. Hope you're having your lunch, and as I always say, uh, you can give me a call. Let me know what you're having. Are you busted or are you proud? Um, You know, I'm not going to give the lecture today because I know I do it every week, but... The message on the show is really truly about what you put into your body. So this is a healthy living show. It's, um, it's a show about, you know, really becoming your best, learning to give up, you know, having some guidance and support and being able to sacrifice today for a better future for yourself down the road. Because the you that you are today, when you look in the mirror, when you're naked in front of the mirror, that what you see, what you feel each and every day, low energy, brain fog, all of those things is simply a result of your past behaviors, your past habits, if you will. So, you know, think about where you're at today. If you're not looking and feeling your best, then you have to ask yourself, take a look back and say, what have I been eating? And, you know, one of the things that I recommend people do, and this is truly life-changing if you will do it, and that is keep a food journal. Um, so many times we don't even realize what we're eating. We don't even realize the the little here and there the little things that we're eating putting into our mouths that are having a negative effect on our health so you know if you really want to make some change a great place to start is to get a food journal and start recording and writing down everything you eat and drink and and then follow my mantra every time you eat or drink you're either feeding disease or fighting it and ask yourself when you write down in your food journal Was I feeding disease here or was I fighting it? Or maybe you don't know. And you're welcome to send me a question and ask, and I would be happy to answer it on the air, or you can give me a call. I'm here at 707-933-9133. And, um, you know, are you, are you feeding disease right now when you eat your lunch or are you fighting it? And, um, get that food journal out and start, start focusing on that and thinking about and go with a goal. And this is what I do with my own clients. Go with a goal of 80, 20, 80, 
80% fighting disease with your foods and 20% okay, anything goes. You know, your habits, the things you love, the things you really can't avoid in today's high-paced, high-stressed life that we live. You know, um, just try to go for an 80-20. And if you're doing 80% disease-fighting foods, you're doing great. And, you know, it's funny because when most people come to me um, as a client, I, I always have them do a food journal, a food log in the beginning. And so I can better understand what their habits have been and um, start to connect the dots and help uh, to create a program. And often when people bring me their, their food log, it's usually three to five days usually five and we start to go over it and what I do you know I don't know if this is the teacher in me because I was a teacher for so many years before I got into the health and wellness profession but the teacher in me was what I grade papers I score things right and so that's what I would do with my clients with their diet logs I take a look at it and I sit down and I explain to the client that pretty much Everything you eat eat or drink, you're either feeding disease or fighting it. So let's take a look at your last five days and let's come up with a score based on a scale of 80-20 and see how close you how close you are before we even get started working together. So and one of the things that I do like to do is ask my my ask my clients, what do you think your score is? Before I score their papers, I ask them, what do you think your score is? And it's interesting because most people will tell me, oh, I think I'm about a 60-40, you know, uh, maybe a 50-50, somewhere in that range. I get a lot of 60-40s, maybe even 70-30s. And then when I dig in and start to go over their diet log with them and start explaining each item and whether it feeds disease or fights it um, and why, people are blown away. Like, for example, you know, they may have a Dannon yogurt for breakfast and they, they, they think that that's actually fighting disease. And I have to reeducate them at that moment and say, okay, so this is actually, this is going against your 80-20 and here's why. You know, there's sugar in it and blah, blah, blah. And the list goes on. And I explain, you know, why that actually hurt their score more than it helped. And, and then as we go through the list, people, you know, people are really surprised. They're surprised because they're trying and they think they're doing it well. But then when I tell them that that whole grain breakfast cereal that they're eating actually is, is feeding disease more than it's fighting, um, people will, uh, they'll be shocked and surprised. And then when I, that starts the educational process that starts me teaching them about food quality, teaching them about, you know, foods in general and how our body breaks down foods and how it does or doesn't do well in certain foods. And then the likeliness of food intolerance or food sensitivities, because most people today have, at least one, if not several foods that they're intolerant to. And those are usually the foods that you are eating the most of, the most often. Um, and, you know, when we when we become intolerant or insensitive to foods, we don't really know it because it's not, we don't get, you know, hives all over our body or go into anaphylactic shock with a food intolerance or a food sensitivity. Those, you know, food intolerance and food sensitivity is not a f- full-blown food allergy, but it's this subclinical underlying 
immune reaction to foods that we're consuming and our immune system looks at those as those antigens get into the bloodstream and our immune system doesn't quite know how to deal with it. And so, um, that can be tested in a blood test. And what I do is I can, when people come, you know, to work with me, I, through a, a series of questions and what's going on with their health, almost always pinpoint their tiredness, their achiness, their brain fog, um, autoimmune, things that are going on to foods that they're eating. And, and then we, we identify those through testing and we identify those through, um, looking at their diet and learning a little bit about their heritage and what they eat, looking at how well their gut is functioning because the gut is, um, the gut is sort of the first line defensive immunity. It's the, and if, if, if the gut lining is not healthy, if it's permeable, if it's, if it's unhealthy, um, foods and food antigens can leak through and get into the bloodstream and that's where we get into all kinds of problems that's when we do get into problems with our um food sensitivities because then the immune system gets involved and and the immune system starts attacking thinking there's foreign invaders and it can attack the joints um create inflammation in the body and inflammation causes a lot of discomfort joint pain the list goes on and on and on so yes we can and do really track back and look at and identify how your diet is playing into your illnesses, your weaknesses, um, your brain fog, your depression, your mood, anxiety. I mean, the list just truly does go on and on and on. And so it's really important to, oh, we have a call. Our, our guest is here. Hi there, Dr. Jackson. Do we have you on? Oh, there we are. Dr. Tim Jackson, are you on the air? I am here. Hey, okay. Heather, thanks for having me on. Hey, great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. Boy, that first 15 minutes just went by so quickly. Sometimes I get chatting and then... <laughs> I know, it does, right? It sure does. I know you have experience with that too, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we have Dr. Tim Jackson on the line. I am so excited. I've been watching and looking at all the great and amazing things you're doing. And wow, talk about making a difference in the world really well i appreciate it that means a lot coming from you because i i I definitely value your work and look up to you oh well thank you i really appreciate it dr jackson um so let's just start off a little bit talking about your background you are a doctor of physical therapy right originally yeah so you want me to just kind of give you the the down sure that'd be great my doctorate is, um, is in physical therapy and orthopedic rehab Great. And uh, when I graduated with my doctorate in 2009, I took uh, two years or two and a half years off between undergrad and my doctorate. I started working at an orthopedic outpatient clinic in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And we worked with uh, everyday, you know, Joe, so to speak, but we also worked with some pro athletes and, and um, amateur athletes. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that I could help people a lot more um, by balancing their physiology than I could by cracking their neck or mobilizing their elbow joint. Right. Um, you know, one just one quick example is that, you know, frozen shoulder where your shoulder um, joint capsule, it gets kind of adhered or stuck down and you can't, you don't have any shoulder movement. Right. So those people come to physical therapy for three times a week for about two months. And mm-hmm. I said, 
you know, there has to be a better way. Right. So I started researching, and, you know, almost all of those people, not all of them, but almost all, have a sub, either subclinical hypothyroidism, meaning it doesn't necessarily show up on labs sure. as low or high, but it's out of the optimal range that mm-hmm. you and I know. Mm-hmm. Your listeners, I'm sure, know. Sure. Um, and, or they may have overt hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's. Yes, um, thyroid effects, thyroid hormone effects every cell and every tissue in the body, um, then you're, you're going to have an effect on joints for sure and joint capsules. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I felt like, you know, I, either you're going to be part of the problem or part of the solution. And sometimes it's benign neglect. People just don't know or they're intellectually lazy. But, um, you know, by balancing their hormones and their thyroid, not only did their entire body feel better, but specifically their shoulders, and like, wham, within, you know, a week or two, they're feeling better, and they have more motion in their joints. And so that kind of drove me. I'd already been studying functional medicine on my own and through some, you know, home courses before that, but that uh, really pushed me to study it even more. Um, my undergrad is in uh, health science and uh-huh. um, chemistry as a minor. Nice. And I took a ton of biology courses. I was originally going to be a medical doctor, and I had the grades to do it, and I did a lot of preceptorships because we have a medical school associated with Wake Forest, my undergrad school. Sure. And uh, the doctor said, you know, there's no question that you're smart enough, but, you know, we know that you're into nutrition and supplementation, and, you know, you're going to find yourself just frustrated day after day, wanting to bang your head against the wall because... Once you learn this information, you can't unlearn it. Right. So true. Which is a good thing. Yeah. And so, you know, they tried to, um, you know, they said, you know, consider other options in the healthcare field where you can incorporate nutrition. I basically, I thought I was going to be a psychologist, so I I started working part-time. I was a personal trainer early in the morning, late at night, and during the middle of the day, I took psychology courses that took about eight or nine, Mm -hmm. and I was going to get my PsyD or my PhD, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I realized that, you know, I would miss uh, the the physiology part. I mean, granted, some psychologists are getting into that, but um, I realized I would miss out on that, and... Um, where I went to, or where I live, uh, about 45 minutes away, um, is the Medical University of South Carolina, and they have a lot of people don't know the DPT um, acronym, but it's Doctorate in Physical Therapy, and sure. all, to my knowledge, all the programs now are doctorates, may except maybe one, but it's a mm-hmm. uh, nine semester program, so it's basically another four, four and a half years. I was able to do it in three because. You can go through the summer if you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, you take you get some nutrition, but you know it, it's the typical nutrition that you, like registered dietitians get. You know, eat lots of carbs, eat lots of gluten. You know, stay away from fat. And you know, I found myself oftentimes in the head of the department's office because I would you know just out of curiosity raise my hand and ask questions. And, and, you know, authority figures don't like to be questioned. So, um, but what led me into studying functional medicine was, um, you know, I went to, to Wake Forest University, like I said, uh, um, a top-tier academic institution, and I was type A. I had a 4.0 my last two years. I worked two or three part-time jobs, depending on the time of the year. I was involved in several groups. I was a tour guide. I was a tutor all these things, and I got mono, um, the 
summer between my junior and senior year. Uh. And they said, you know, we want you to uh, not attend school for fall semester. And, you know, I'm pig-headed, so I did it anyways. And uh, I was still able to make good grades, but then during that break, Christmas break, I had jaw surgery. That's a whole other discussion yeah. maybe we can have one day. Mm-hmm. But basically it was the final straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. Sure. And I was under anesthesia for eight, eight and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the surgeons I've consulted since then said you should have never been under more than three or three and a half. Apparently the surgeon took a vacation, but the bottom line is I came out of that surgery with 20-something titanium screws and about six six or eight titanium plates in my jaw. Oh, my goodness. And not only that, here's the kicker. It didn't help any. Oh, yeah. So oh. What, they, what they don't tell you is that, you know, with any surgery, you know, when you're under anesthesia, you don't have muscle tone. Right. Okay? So your alignment might be perfect under anesthesia, but when you wake up, guess what? Muscle tone kicks in. Tense, yeah. Alignment's gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they tried to bully me into it and say, they said, you know, by the time you're 30, you're not going to have any teeth left because you're grinding your teeth. <laughs> oh, no. Well, hello, how about a mouth guard? But that, you know, kind of knocked me for a loop, and I was able to finish, you know, my final semester with good grades, but I I just didn't recover. And, of course, you know, if you're not recovering or or getting better, it's always the patient's fault, you know, as we know. Always. Right. Yes. And and so when I graduated, um, I was going to take the MCAT and go to medical school. I talked to admissions officers. They said you would definitely get in. Um, but I just kind of crashed and burned, you know. And I'd also been on a ton of antibiotics for ear infections, very strong antibiotics like vancomycin. And um, I was diagnosed with depression. Uh, I eventually had to move home with my parents, and I just couldn't do anything. I tried working a part-time job, and I couldn't complete wow. those tasks. Mm-hmm. And I, I finally found, just by the luck of the draw, an ENT who was about to retire who was holistic. Uh, Uh Back then, the term functional medicine didn't even exist. This was 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. But he treated me for candida. And Mm -hmm. uh, I got some IVs that the FDA has since outlawed. But um, I had tons of candida from antibiotics as a child, antibiotics in high school for acne, which they readily give, Mm -hmm. and uh, antibiotics for ear infections, none of which were really Wow. And so he helped me with that, and then that just kind of, you know, something, you know, clicked in my brain, and I started just studying everything I could on my own. Back Mm -hmm. then, there was no Facebook function study groups. Right. So I went to the library, you know, I would go talk to chiropractors or uh, MDs who were more holistic, and sometimes I'd shadow them. Um, if I could, you know, afford it, you know, being a student, a graduate student, I, I would go to a course here and there. Um, and I basically, you know, I get two or three doctors emailing me a week saying, you know, where can I go to learn what you know? Sure. Learn what you learn. And I eventually plan on creating a program for providers and practitioners but the answer is, I'd have to give you a zip file. I went all over the yeah, I bet. A lot, of, right? Of learning. But um, after, I did. the truth of the matter is I had Candida, and he helped me. 
but I had a bunch of other underlying issues. Sure. Well, you'd so. been through so much stress. I'm sure that there were other other things going on as well. Um, Dr. Tim, we actually have to go to break, if you don't oh. mind. Um, so do you mind just hanging tight for one sure. minute? And we'll come back, and then we're going to we're gonna, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up a little bit about your history, and then we will go into talking. I, we have some questions for you that f- listeners have sent in, and also... Um, some questions and we're going to talk a little bit about Lyme disease and mold toxicity today. So Oh no, that's okay. Not a problem at all. I, I, you know what? Everybody, people's stories are powerful and always very great to listen to. So no worries at all. We're going to go to break and we will be. All right, everyone, we are back and I'm Heather Morgan and I'm here today with Dr. Tim Jackson from HealYourBody.org. Welcome back to the show, Dr. Tim. Thank you, Heather. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Wonderful. We're so glad you're here. We, like I said, we have a few questions for you from the audience. And, um, you know, you and I talked, we went back and forth a little bit about, you know, what can we talk about today? Because truly you have done so much and researched so much and created such amazing content and information, um, on your website. And I hope everybody will go visit it, healyourbody.org. Um, and so it was just kind of like, well, what, you know, what does your audience, what would your audience like to hear? What, what sure. could we educate the audience on? And one of the things that came up was Lyme disease and mold toxicity. Um, there is, you know, there's quite a bit of Lyme disease ar- around here in the, in the Bay Area. I have a lot of clients that have come to me um, with Lyme as well. So that's one thing that I would love to touch on today. Yeah. And um, also, you know, you have great programs. You have a Heal Your Hormones boot camp. We can talk about that a little bit. Um and, you know, other other things that, you know, you, I know, work on. For example, you have a, a 12-month uh, program that we can let people know about as well. So let's start off talking a little bit about Lyme disease. And, you know, I put it out there to my listeners and followers, and I said, listen, if you are one of those people that you know something's going on with you, you know something isn't right, you know, you may be achy, you may have joint aches, you may be tired, you may have brain fog like you've never had it before, you may feel like a zombie, you just aren't right and you don't know why. That's a lot of times where people start when they start down the road and then much later figure out that it was actually Lyme. Why is it so hard for people to to pinpoint that they have it and how could we advise people to really look for the signs and and what would their steps be so the reason it's so hard to diagnose number one is the testing is terrible which i'll go into more detail about but immunologists assume that let's say i have a pretty big yard and we had 200 people in my yard they assume that if wait they all had lyme disease that all of their symptoms would be the exact same Right. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'll give you a quick example. When I worked at a clinic in North Carolina, we had an NFL football player, well-known guy. His fiance had tested positive for it, and she wanted him tested. And lo and behold, he tested positive. Wow. Now, he's performing, obviously, at a high level, you know, the mm-hmm. highest of high in mm-hmm. professional sports. His symptoms were that, you know, when he got injured or, you know, he worked out too hard, he just couldn't recover or repair his body like he should. And sure. so everyone's symptoms can be different. Like when mine started, I didn't really have, I had a minor joint pain, but I was also heavily into weightlifting, so I attributed it to that. 
and uh, I also ate well, went to bed on time, all that stuff. I was able to function, and, you know, like I tell my clients and patients, a lot of times you don't know something's wrong until it's fixed and you feel better. Yeah, because it's true. Yeah, people get so used to feeling terrible that they don't even know, there's no bar, and they're there's no bar anymore. They can't figure it out. Yeah, and so the standard test for Lyme uh, is called the Western blot test. And what they're testing is what's called your B cell uh, immunity, your plasma cells. Well, guess what Lyme, the bacteria, a Lyme bacteria shuts off as soon as it gets in your body? That okay. system, the plasma cells. Okay. So you're testing for something that can't show up positive. Be detectable, right. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, give someone antimicrobials, whether it's nutraceuticals, herbals, or prescription, and you repeat the test like three to four weeks later, it'll often show up wow. positive. Now, uh, a quick aside that's just interesting and also important is that I think it's China or Japan where you only have to have one band, we call them bands, I'll explain that more later, okay. um, positive to be considered uh, ha- uh, as having Lyme disease. Okay. Here, the CDC makes you have five. Okay? Mm. And something's definitely, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories, but something's definitely off. Yeah, uh, there doesn't seem to be much effort. No, and right. when we would test clients for Lyme disease, the CDC would literally call the office and say, why are you testing someone for Lyme disease? Hmm. And we would say, because they have the signs and symptoms. And if you think about it, when people say, you know, it's typically the immunologists say, oh, Lyme doesn't exist in this state. Yeah. Guess what? Ticks do not read road signs. <laughs> so they don't come to a state border and say, oh, we got to back up, guys. We can't go in this state. So ticks is no longer um, a, a tick-borne disease. It's incorrect to refer to it as that. Right. Because it can also be transmitted via mosquitoes, other bugs, fleas, and it's been found in the semen of men with Lyme disease. Interesting. So maybe that's why the client that you have that had it, his partner also had it, correct? Yeah, that that could be a definite reason mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you look back through history, they've found evidence of Lyme disease in people, you know, from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. It, it's all about the terrain. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And right. What's that? No, I just said right. I agree. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're staying up till 4 in the morning and partying and drinking and eating Twinkies and, you know, you live in the middle of New York City and it's polluted and you don't exercise, all those things, then it's going to express itself. And so some of the tests are more accurate than others, but none of them are terribly accurate. And that's why it's uh, typically uh, clinical diagnosis based on symptoms. Um, And the co-infections, what we call the co-infections, meaning they just kind of go along with Lyme, Yes. Um, Bartonella is one, right. cat, batch fever, but there are other species of it. And Babesia, which is a parasite. Um, those, uh, I think for Babesia, there's 30-something different species, mm. and I forget how many for Bartonella. Mm. But even the best labs, the best functional labs, only test for a small percentage of those species. So if they don't test for the species that you have, then you get a false negative. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Interesting. So that's why the testing is so controversial. Um, the other thing is, and, and this makes absolutely no sense, you know, I mentioned before I was given two years of antibiotics in high school for acne. 
they'll give it out like candy. But if you ask for antibiotics for Lyme disease, they look at you like you're crazy. How silly and crazy is that? Now, let me mention a little aside here for Lyme. If you, most people uh, that I talk to, you know, they don't want to test for it or even address it because they say, oh, no, I, I haven't gotten bitten by a tick. I didn't have a bullseye. Most people don't know they've been bitten, okay, and the majority don't because when I say tick, most people think the huge blood-sucking ticks that are, you know, filled with blood and whatever fluids right. and uh, right. ticks most ticks are so small that, that you can't see them so they right. can hop on bite you and hop back off right no that's and, very very true and I've read numbers anywhere from 9% to 30 or 33% of people that get bitten get the bullseye rash so you can't use the bullseye rash you can't say oh I didn't have a bullseye rash so I don't have a line it doesn't work that way and that's why the immunologists uh, get confused Fortunately, uh, I mean, a lot of times I had a patient go to actually my, where I got my doctor at the Medical University of South Carolina, and the immunologist said, you have Lyme disease, but I'm not going to treat you because I don't want to lose my job. Ugh. But now there are states, like I think Vermont um, and a few others, maybe Massachusetts, that are, have statutes in place to protect Lyme literate doctors who are trying to save people's lives. Um, that, so, yeah. Um, and, and the test can be expensive a lot of times as well. Right. Um, and so, you, you know, a lot of times I base it just on symptoms. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes, you know, most of my clients and patients are virtual, but if I have someone in person, I can do certain muscle testing. Yeah, to see. I know a lot of people think it's hocus-pocus, but this is really, it's Klinghart's uh, autonomic response testing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's actually what pick, first picked up my line. Interesting. So, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no. So I had another question. So somebody then who has symptoms, and why don't you just give us a list of symptoms of Lyme? The main, the main symptoms. Okay. Well, quickly, it's called the Great Imitator because it can literally mimic every disorder out there. Right. And it, you know, if you and I went for a walk through a hospital. Uh, no matter what department we're in, Lyme may not be the primary cause of that person's symptoms, uh-huh. but they may be directly contributing to it sure. or adding to it or exacerbating it. Right. So the symptoms, chronic insomnia, like um, I had one girl who literally would go seven days without sleep. Yes. Um, so it's typical for those people to be on three to four sleep medications. Okay. Um, which is unfortunate because a lot of times they get put on benzodiazepines. I know. Instead of medical marijuana, which, you know, heaven forbid, we heal several things at one time. Right, right. Uh, I know. I think that feels like it feels like maybe the medical establishment is kind of going in the wrong direction there um, because there's so many great natural sleep support, you know, options. Yeah, there there is. And even um, in states where it's illegal, the CBD oil by itself um, combined with some other anti-inflammatories is really good to help with uh, overall inflammation, but especially brain inflammation. Wow. Good to know. Yeah. So there, I mean, I'll just mention it quickly. Uh, Low-dose naltrexone Mm -hmm. or LDN, Mm -hmm. uh, it's a compounded medicine that helps... um, basically manage inflammation and mm-hmm. manage the immune response. Okay. Um, I'm finding good results with that combined with CBD oil. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's, 
See, those types of approaches that are, you know, less mainstream, a little more integrative, a little, you know, from functional medicine approach, um, most people don't have access to that, and we'll get back to that a little bit later. But um, we're talking about symptoms for Lyme disease right now, and uh, we have Dr. Tim Jackson from Heal Your Body.org on the line. And I just wanted to keep going over the list of symptoms for yeah. Lyme disease. So we've got chronic sleep disturbance. Mm-hmm. What else? Posterior or neck pain in the back along your um, cervical spine, your neck. Okay. Um, below your skull to the top of your shoulders. Interesting. That's okay. One. Um, joint popping or clicking in the um, knees. And really, it can be in any joints, typically. Okay. Or the larger joints, the knees and the hips. Uh, okay, so can you tell us, I mean, just kind of quickly, Pain in the neck, literally pain in the neck, right? In the back of the neck, you know, upper cervical pain. How would that be related to Lyme? Um, Well, Lyme can get into any tissues, literally. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said before, we can have 200 people. We can infect all of them with the same species. Right. And they can all manifest different symptoms Mm -hmm. depending on their terrain, their hormonal status, all those things. So, you know, Lyme can get... And the elbow and cause elbow issues um, for one person, but it can get in the neck and cause issues, um, you know, there for someone else. And it typically leads to headaches as well. Yes. Now, the exact biochemical mechanism, I don't know that anyone has... Uh Look at that. Pointed that. Just so know that it, it goes together. Uh-huh. It doesn't have to go together. You can okay. certainly have Lyme without having neck pain. But this is something that, you know, people, or this is something that has has surfaced as a pretty common symptom. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's a common one. Um, Sensitivity to light and noise. Okay. Exhaustion. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Memory issues. Okay. Okay. Um, A smell of ammonia, no matter how many showers or baths you take. Wow, okay. Smell of ammonia. And can you, is that just from poor detoxification or... Yeah, well, the Lyme bacteria, certain bacteria like gram-negative bacteria in your gut produce ammonia. Mm-hmm. Um, the urea cycle um, deals with ammonia. Right. But, yeah, the Lyme bacteria, the spirochete, can um, create ammonia as well. Okay. And so you can have that smell coming off of you. Like one of my patients, you know, I work with her mother, and she's 12 or 13, and no matter how many times a day she showers, she still has that ammonia smell. Interesting. And, you know, there are supplements we can use to bind up ammonia. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. But uh, that's that's a common symptom as well. Okay. Um, trouble reading or following lines when you're reading. Mm-hmm. And visual spatial issues. Wow. That's uh, another common one. Wow. Okay. Um, sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Okay, because you. They don't, your listeners don't need to know this phrase, but they know it already. It's called cytokine-induced sickness behavior. And they know it because when they've had the flu or cold or some type of, you know, illness going around or stomach bug, it's what your body, your body releases a bunch of inflammatory compounds called cytokines. Sure. And that's your, your body's way of telling your brain, okay, we need to slow down, conserve our resources for healing, and not, you know, go out socializing, go to the gym, um, go out partying or anything like that. 
And so when you, you feel bad and these symptoms we're describing, you're not actually feeling directly the microbes. You're feeling mm-hmm. the uh, inflammatory cytokines. How interesting. Okay. So, that you know, that's one. Um, sometimes certain rashes in different parts of the body can be okay. one. Sure. Is, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I, you, one of the common things that you hear is, is joint aches uh, yeah. when people have Lyme disease. Um and 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 obviously brain fog and and things like that as well. Yeah. Um do you so I've heard that you know if you get if you're if you're bitten by a tick um and you catch it within 30 days or something like that or there's there's sort of a a a systematic way that Lyme can infiltrate the body and and it, the earlier you catch it the better but sometimes people will get flu like symptoms in the in the initial phase is that correct Yeah so all that's correct I mean if you catch the earlier you catch it the more successful you'll be in treating it Okay. Don't I don't want people to get discouraged that didn't catch it early. Okay, good. Uh, you can have uh, an equal amount of success at um, eradicating it. So, um, you know, if you see a, a bullseye rash or you see a, a tick, you know, a big tick, then, you know, you want to go in and ask for 28 days or 30 days of doxycycline. Okay. That actually wipes it out. But the further out you go, you know, even just a couple weeks out, the less successful it is. I mean, I have clients that have been on IV antibiotics with a pick line, you know, in their chest yeah. for one to two years and still have issues. What people don't know is that most antibiotics are made from mold or fungi, oh. and that can damage your mitochondria, yes, which produce the energies in your cell. Well, one of the most energy-demanding systems is the immune system. Right. So you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. When you do so, the antibiotics. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you catch it, or like if I were to go out and get bitten and see a tick, I would probably go on 28 or 30 days of doxycycline, um, you know, just to prevent any future problems. But, you know, you can see people, I don't know if you've seen Yolanda Foster on TV, she's gone pretty much everywhere, and, you know, she's not constrained by resources, and she's still fighting it and the problem is part of the problem is the testing methods so people don't get properly diagnosed right and then people saying stupid things like Lyme doesn't exist in South Carolina or Lyme doesn't exist in North Carolina or Georgia oh so Um, true yeah and and for the people who have been diagnosed and have experienced Lyme or and or are experiencing Lyme their message is entirely different it's there it's 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 truly um it's devast- it can be devastating, and so saying that it doesn't exist is is really you know it's challenging. Yeah, I mean it's just crazy. It's like going back to the 1950s. I mean, if you just stop and think about what these people are saying, yes. you realize how ridiculous it is. And mm-hmm. actually, a quick story: there was a professor, or is a professor at Duke University. He's a professor at the medical school, and he told the cardiologist there, you know, having chest pain and these other symptoms like joint pain, I'm 99% sure I have Lyme. They're like, no, no, you don't. Lyme doesn't exist here. He kept pursuing it and telling them until he got to the point his heart function deteriorated and he had to have a heart transplant. Oh, 
So Lyme can affect the heart? Is this what? Oh, yes. It can affect every organ, and we don't really know why it affects some organs and some people and other organs and other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. It may just have to do with the strength or resilience um, of that tissue. Okay. But um, it can definitely affect the heart, um, decrease the amount of blood your heart pumps out, which is called the cardiac output. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will decrease circulation, which... Lyme likes to live in areas where there's low circulation because that means your immune cells can't get there. Oh, and good so point. they can hide from the immune cells. And one other thing I'll mention real quick is biofilm. Yes. Um, your listeners you know, know it as plaque on your teeth, but systemically you can have it as well, and it's a way for different microbes and um, bugs to hide from the immune system. Mm-hmm. That's right. This, this, they create this film that protects yeah. them. They create exactly. it. Exactly. And so, you know, we have to break that down. You know, there's different uh, enzymes and herbal compounds that can break that down. And then typically you'll require a lower dose of whatever antimicrobial you're on. So if you just take an antimicrobial, mm-hmm. you might have to take, I'm just making up a number, 600 milligrams. Sure. But if you take uh, different enzymes to break up the biofilm first, then take you may only have to take 300 milligrams. Sure. Now, okay, so this is very, very interesting. And, you know, you mentioned that Lyme disease is just very hard to diagnose. So you, as a functional medicine practitioner, sounds like, you know, obviously you're very, very well versed in this and have worked with it a lot. Um, How then do you go about diagnosing Lyme disease? How, you know, if someone comes to you and they feel like they have the signs and symptoms, um, is there a different type of testing that you, you particularly do? Well, um, most, 99, really 100% of my uh, consultations are virtual. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. I work with people from all over the world. Sure. So technically, I can't diagnose. Right. But, you Good know, point. is it really going to help us to put a label on it? Mm-hmm. Not really. Right. It just matters that we figure out what's going wrong, what systems are imbalanced, and we correct those. Okay, so you're bringing so, the body back into healthy balance and yeah, whatever so that involves. Yeah, if we know for 100%, with 100% certainty that you have Lyme, starting out by balancing the adrenals and the thyroid and the gut, mm-hmm. that's the way to go no mm-hmm. matter what your goal is. Mm-hmm. Those systems have to be working for detox to work mm-hmm. and for immune function to work correctly. And so, you know, those are things that you um, have to consider. Fantastic. Well, it's so, so interesting. Um, so we are li- we are talking to Dr. Tim Jackson today from HealYourBody.org. We're talking about Lyme disease. I'd love to talk a little bit about mold toxicity as well. We do have to take one more quick break, if you don't mind. Um, just hanging tight. We will be right back. And then we're going to, if we could, just kind of shift into mold toxicity and and then you know just this this overall you know umbrella and then how how you know how what would be the next step for people and and some of the programs all right everyone we are back you're listening to body talk here at ksvy in sonoma and i have dr tim jackson joining me from healyourbody.org thanks so much for being on the show yeah. Hey, Heather. Thanks for having me. Um, I have a fun talking about these topics. Well, you are a wealth of information, and I want to make sure that everybody knows how to reach you. Um, and, you know, just on the topic of, of Lyme, you know, you're so knowledgeable. I know that you do have a virtual practice, so if people want to learn more about how you work, they can just go to your website, correct? 
Yeah, it's currently being transferred. The hosting site is. Okay. Um, but they should be able to reach me through there. If not, they can uh, reach me at my email, which I know is a pain to write down, but it's uh, Dr. Tim, D-R-T-I-M, 072981. So that's Dr. Tim, 072981. Okay. At gmail.com. Awesome. Um, they can also find my um, professional Facebook page, Dr. Tim Jackson. On Facebook. Great. Fantastic. Well, you know, I, I've been looking through your website and really unbelievable, the programs that you have and, and, you know, the great content, you know, the, the articles that you're writing. And now you also do interview as well, right? Uh, do I uh, interview other people? Yeah. Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. I'm technologically challenged. Uh, (laughs) Well, you know, uh, right now I'm trying to just figure out some of the basics of the, um, you know, technology part, the web part, without spending, you know, an arm and a leg. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can, and there's a lot of, you know, as you've seen, scammers out there wanting to charge, you know. I have. Yes, I totally understand it full well. Well, I just encourage people to go check out all the great information on your website. So we're talking about Lyme disease today. We talked about the signs and symptoms um, and and how stealth it can be and really how it's way more prevalent than people realize. And I just encourage people, you know, especially out here in, you know, Northern California where we, you know, there's a lot of nature and the people, I mean, literally we moved up in here to Sonoma Valley seven years ago and within our first three months of being here each member of my family had been bitten by a tick five times yeah i mean they're everywhere and um and so it's just it's you know they're out here and people see them people get them on their animals uh so you know i want people to be educated and i really appreciate you taking the time so if we were to kind of wrap it up a little bit about uh, lyme disease and and you know Next steps for somebody, you know, obviously they can visit your website and learn more by connecting with you directly, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, you have something on your website, also chronic fatigue syndrome, where, you know, a lot of people who have chronic fatigue, again, may have Lyme disease. Yeah, I mean, this kind of comes, I didn't mean to cut you off, but this kind of comes from the regular or traditional allopathic community where, you know, they kind of have people thinking A causes B and then you take remedy C to get rid of it. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, there's going to be multiple causes to, you know, any issue you have. And so for one person, you know, Lyme may be the predominant cause and then viruses may be secondary, gut dysbiosis may be secondary. Sure. So, you know, they're all contributing and uh, in different people, there'll be you know different percentages in terms of their contribution. But um, that's why you know they'll set. You'll see articles in the newspaper or on the television news. You know, so and so doesn't cause chronic fatigue or autism. Well, right. that, they're not asking the right questions. And if you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. Really good point. Very, very, very good point. So my message is is to anybody out there who. You know you're not feeling like yourself or you've just gotten accustomed to feeling less than you know you could and should be. Um, 
you know, if you have any of the symptoms that Dr. Jackson talked about, it would be worthwhile to explore. And, you know, and then there's sort of this other stealthy side to it. You know, you mentioned mold and it's, you know, it's something I've told you in the past is, is very important to me and near and dear to my heart since I've, I've been exposed to black mold big time. And um, so can you also tell us what are the signs and symptoms for mold toxicity? What do people need to do, be aware of, and what would be the steps to take? Yeah, so actually a lot of them um, overlap with the symptoms of Lyme and co-infections. Sure. And uh, we didn't really get into certain genotypes where you have trouble detoxing biotoxins. Mm-hmm. Correct. Mold toxins um, would be considered biotoxins. Uh, Lyme toxins would be considered biotoxins. Um, there's five different levels of this gene. Um, if people want to read about it, it's in the book called Mold Warriors or okay. Mold Warrior by uh, Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Okay. And uh, I happen to have the worst one, the dreaded genotype. 25% of the population will have one form of the gene. Okay. And what it means is that if we're all in a room, you know, with some mold, you know, that 25%, you're going to start feeling bad. And the other 75% are looking at the 25% thinking, what's going on with these people? There's nothing in here, you know, et cetera. Oh, that's so funny because I can smell it from a mile away. And if I walk into a building or a room where it's there, I, I it, it will be so offensive to me and I can pinpoint it right away. And other people are like, I don't smell anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's, um, I mean, that's the thing, you know, that's your body's way of detecting toxins and putting you on alert. Yeah, very, very interesting um, because, I, like I mentioned, I've been highly exposed to it and have all the signs and symptoms, you know, that, you know, you could possibly have. But I just, you know, like even at, were you at the Mindshare Summit? Yeah. Yeah. And when at there, when I had to switch rooms three times because, did you smell it? <laughs> I, I didn't, but you know what's funny is an MD friend of mine who's uh, shoemaker trained and Klinghart trained, uh-huh. he went to a conference in Arizona uh-huh. on mold, and about half or more of the doctors there got sick because they had had a water leak and oh. they didn't remediate it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's not funny, but, it, you know, it's ironic that mm-hmm. they went to a conference on mold toxicity. and they Right. Yeah. That's so funny. No, and it's it was interesting because I smelled it so strongly, and then I I checked in with a few other doctors. Um, about half did notice it, and half didn't. So I thought, how interesting! Like, how can you not smell that? You know what yeah. I mean? And then I had a headache within, you know. So, well, that's the thing. You know, it's very frustrating to try and explain it to someone who doesn't have one of the genes. Right. And, you know, they they don't feel anything, so they think you're cuckoo. Right. Um, but, exactly. Yeah, I mean, mold toxins, you know, there's, as far as I know, 200 and something different species. Mm. And people think that only black mold is toxic, but mm-hmm. all the other species, you know, enough of them will, and the person with the right genotype or the wrong genotype, depending on how you look at it, will manifest symptoms and sure. create hormonal imbalances, gut issues, sleep issues, um, suppress the immune system. It messes up your mitochondria. That's the first place it goes inside the cell. Wow. That's why it leads to such fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, Makes sense. And, and it actually decreases blood flow to the frontal lobe. 
So, you know, doing one of the appropriate mold tests, like the Hurts Me Too or the Ermi. Yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, for your house. And then you can do the real-time labs. They have a urine mycotoxin test. The catcher is, though, like for someone like me with the genotype, if I just took the test, it would probably show up low. Yeah. Because I'm not a good excreter. But if you right. take a glutathione beforehand and then submit the test, you'll get a more accurate result. I get so sick when I take glutathione or NAC. Yeah. Well, you can. we can talk about that off the air. There are several reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, it could be too much too soon. It could be uh, what's called a CBS, transformation, sure. polymorphism, a sure. bunch of things. Um, and it doesn't mean that, you know, glutathione is bad. It just means it's not the right time for you. Right. Exactly. And that's exactly what I've what I've come to kind of figure out. Um, it's, it's a process. And each and every person has their, you know, their health challenges and their journey, so to speak, and which is why I love to interview professionals such as yourself who are so incredibly knowledgeable um, because there just isn't, especially in this arena, a whole lot of um, properly schooled um, interviews interventionists and doctors out there. So, you know, I just want to encourage everybody again, Dr. Tim Jackson, healyourbody.org. If you or somebody, you know, you believe has these symptoms, brain fog, achiness, things just aren't right. Check out, uh, you know, Lyme and check out also mold toxicity. If you have been exposed, um, Dr. Jackson, it is already time for us to go. I cannot believe it. All right. We have time for me to, um, mention my programs real quick. Please do. Okay, so my main program, I'm working on developing some others, but my main one is called uh, the Heal Your Body Program, and it includes an initial hour to an hour and ten minute consultation. Um, that includes me reviewing your most recent labs prior to it, um, four 45-minute follow-up consults, and 15 emailed questions. And the investment for that is... Oh, we can't talk prices on the air. Sorry. Oh, we can't. Okay, sorry. No, people can definitely go to your website, though, to get more information for those. Okay. Yeah. But, um, and then what's your other program? Uh, Other programs are just um, pay pay per consult, which I I don't do much of. Because as you know, know, as we discussed, there are always multiple layers to everything we're dealing with. And, you know, I found in the beginning that if you just give people everything you know, they're just overwhelmed. Yeah, I know. Okay, everyone, we will see you back here next Tuesday for Body Talk Radio. Please go visit me on my new website, bodytalkradio.com, and become a VIP listener. As a VIP listener, you'll be receiving a weekly email letting you know who our guests are as well as giving you our podcasts of the radio shows so glad you joined me see y'all right back here next tuesday at 1 p.m pacific be well